Richard Leonard, you're an Australian Jesuit, you're here in Ireland, as the Pope is also a Jesuit, and there's a name being mooted in the same breath as him, and somebody who is an, an adversary of the Pope's, and seems to have a bit of power, and that's Steve Bannon, he of Donald Trump, President Trump fame. Can you explain what's going on in the background to this? Mr Bannon is, I'm sure, a very good person. I don't doubt for a moment um, his own uh, personal morality or goodness. I've never met him, so I can make no judgment about it. I can only go on what he has said publicly and certainly what he's been doing recently. The recent crisis with the Pope has come through two ways. Firstly, he has been very critical of Pope Francis for about 18 months now, and we'll come back to why in a minute. But the second thing is he decided to go to Italy and he took a lease on a monastery, some disused monastery, which is actually owned by the Italian government, I've discovered. And there he wanted to set up a school, like a, a clinic, if you will, for people to be trained in how to counter the message of Pope Francis. And it's really become problematic, um, not because that's taken off. In actual fact, I think he's been a bit surprised that he didn't get more allies in Europe as he was intending. I think he thought that he would be seen as someone who was to put, prepared to put money and time and effort and energy and profile into this school to counter. And he got to the Vatican, he got to Europe, he got to Italy. And I think it would appear anyway that he misread the presence of an American coming over to tell Europeans about what they're doing. Um, he probably misread some of the affection for the Pope and even people within the Vatican who'd be critical of the Pope wouldn't really didn't want to be associated with this sort of response to it. So it hasn't worked out the way he would like. Interestingly, one of the things uh, he has said repeatedly is that he believes um, the Pope is the vicar of Christ. And he said that uh, as the vicar of Christ, he respects his authority. But then he's gone on to say them some of the most dreadful things about the way the Vicar of Christ has, uh, the way the Pope has exercised his office. And it's really come down to two things that he seems to be very angry about. The Pope has been very full of advocacy about changing globalisation. Who's getting left behind? This goes back to his South American roots, where you have very wealthy people and desperately poor people and a growing gap between the two. So that's one issue. The Pope is a very a big critic of globalisation and he thinks it needs to be restructured. He's not saying we can't do that in the normal thing. He hasn't undermined the way that we could go about that, but just that it's got to be more equitable. Now, Steve Bannon seems to take great issue with that. The second thing is migration. That, and they're actually linked, of course, both of these issues. So globalisation and migration. And these are hot-button topics in every country. They've been hot-button topics in the United States, Mr Bannon's context. And the Pope has been advocating about uh, Mr Trump not building his wall. Of course, he had the famous line when he was directly asked about the wall Mr President Trump wanted to build. The Pope said, I always find it better to um, build a bridge than to build a wall. And uh, Mr Bannon would take great exception to that. He thinks that the Pope is advocating an attack on sovereignty. But all popes have advocated an attack on sovereignty because they're the world's conscience. That's their job. And he also has a very sharp distinction between the sacred and the secular. I understand, I don't know it to be true, but I understand Mr. Bannon is a, a Tridentine Catholic in his liturgical desires. And so he likes the Latin Mass as it was done in, say, 1955. And he's perfectly entitled to love that. And I'm sure that I hope it feeds him deeply and richly. Though I would be 
critical of some of the positions he comes to and unashamedly critical of them. I must admit I'm with the Pope on a lot of these questions and not just as a Jesuit brother, but also as a theologian, as, as somebody who's interested in the morality of the world and that all God's children need to be cared for, not just those who have access to power and money. So he has a very sharp distinction between uh, the secular and the sacred and he thinks that the church and the leader of the church should simply stay on the sacred side of things and speak about the eternal verities. And they keep quoting, um, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. But, you know, that doesn't exclude what Jesus also says in the same gospel, where he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So every pope has had to walk the very, the tightrope between calling the world's conscience on matters of social um, importance, social justice, social issues, and also calling our attention to not just this world, but the next world as well. So I think, uh, you know, all Caesars of the world have to be held to account for what they have done and what they have failed to do. And I think Pope Francis is trying to do that. I don't hear him saying that uh, we should restructure the entire world order that, you know, he's a communist or he's a socialist. You know, these things are thrown around. And I just don't see that. I've read all these encyclicals. I've read all these letters. Um, He does advocate, and I think for the poor, precisely because Jesus advocated for the poor. And while, you know, it is also said in Luke's gospel, the poor will you always have with you. That was about the primacy of our relationship to the Lord, that don't get out of perspective just being about social work. You've also got to attend to the primary relationship with God. I think the Pope has eloquently said we've got to hold those two together, but hold them together we must. I must admit that I think that uh, one of the things Mr. Bannon says is that no Pope should be out in the public arena talking about um, social issues and globalization and migration before they've attended to sexual abuse in the church. Now, he's right. It is, should be, a primary thing in the church right now to completely do everything we possibly can to heal victims, to look after survivors, and to make sure that uh, the church is, as much as we can ever get it, a perfectly safe place for children to be and to thrive. But it's a completely false dichotomy to say that you cannot speak, you cannot act on any other issue until you've done that. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can attend to the heinous crimes, despicable criminal dysfunction of child sexual abuse in the church, and we can advocate for the poor outside of the church as well. We're called to do both. It's not an either or, it's a both and. I think that even conservative cardinals and bishops and people in the Vatican who have been very critical of Pope Francis, if you go too far with that criticism, you end up saying that the Holy Spirit was not present at the conclave that elected Pope Francis. And that's a theological point. That's ultimately saying that the Spirit has departed from the church. And I don't know a cardinal, priest or bishop who wants to ever say that. Maybe, in fact, Pope Francis, what we tend to believe is that Pope Francis is the Pope we need right now. Now, every Pope will do and say things that some people like more than others and, you know, some will respond to more generously than others. But we're all called, we're called to two things. Firstly, to take the best possible interpretation of a person's motive, including the Pope's. And secondly, to discern where the Spirit's calling all of us to. Is it exactly as Pope Francis says? Well, he would say himself, he's not the Oracle of Delphi. He's not the last word on these issues. But he's trying to promote 
a public discussion which brings us back to the basics of the gospel, of the Beatitudes, of blessed are the poor in spirit, of who are the mourners, who are the people excluded, who are the people getting persecuted, and he's advocating for them. So the Holy Spirit has not departed from the church. I think the Holy Spirit was incredibly powerfully present in that conclave. Is Pope Francis a provocative leader for our time? You betcha. But these are provocative questions. And we need somebody to stir the world's conscience. And he is the man doing that right now. And to be perfectly frank, I'm challenged regularly by what he says and what he does. I don't find him an easy leader to follow. But do I hear the voice of Christ in and through him? You betcha I do. That's one of the reasons why I think the world is paying such attention to him. Not that they like what he's saying, but they know that there's a core of truth which is immensely powerful here. That's called the gospel. And that's probably what Steve Bannon recognised. It's a backhanded compliment in a way, perhaps, that he has made his trip to Rome. It could be. I certainly know that the reception has not been what he thought it was going to be. And uh, so I wish him well, but I would hope, uh, I must admit, I would hope that he would be fairer in assessing Pope Francis and what he says, and also read very carefully the whole corpus of the work, the man's work, because his uh, arguments are often very nuanced and uh, they don't easily, they defy categorization in the way that sometimes his critics try to categorize him. And it's not fair.